Well, we're in this series of yes, and uh, we've been doing the year of yes. We've had different segments, different sub-themes in that theme of yes. And most recently, we're talking about the correlation between the concept of faith and yes. And last week, Pastor Ben offered a great definition of faith, a really helpful definition of faith, a functional one. He said, faith is trusting in God's character and then stepping out into God's promises, trusting in God's character, and then stepping out into God's promises. But then he went and laid down sort of an implied gauntlet because he had to go into the engagement story theme. Remember, he, he talked about how he had got engaged with Katie, how he asked her to marry him. She was up in Chico. He was in Santa, Long, Santa Barbara. Yeah, UC Santa Barbara. And he goes up to Chico. He had it all planned out. There was this park with a gazebo, and he pictured birds twerping, and he, uh, beautiful flowers, and the serenity of the park and the gazebo. He had uh, Katie's roommate in on the gig, and got her there to the gazebo. She didn't know what was going on. Ben shows up with his ring and his flowers and his boombox and the beautiful music, only to discover, to discover that that particular park was homeless man central. <laughs> and so the ambiance wasn't quite what he had anticipated, but he still pulled it off. Good job, Ben. Way to, way to pull it off. Now, our engagement story is sort of the same but different. No park, no gazebo, but we did have a little glitch. Well, my wife would tell you we had a glitch. This is not how I remember the story, but Brenda remembers that our, our engagement did not have a gazebo, it had something much worse. It had a retraction. Because she met me one morning and she was telling me how excited her girlfriends were. And I said, what are they excited about? She said, well, I told them that you asked me to marry you last night. And I accepted. And I said, I don't remember asking you to marry me last night. You go back and tell them you were wrong. We're, we're not engaged. I, don't, I, I should know about this. She goes, no, you definitely asked me to marry you last night, and I definitely accepted. And I said, not the way I remember it. And by the way, that's not the way it happened. Brenda will tell you it happened that way. But are you here today, honey? You... Uh, that's exactly the way that happened last night, just like she said. <laughs> and, <laughs> so anyway, we have this running joke. I still do not remember to this day. I, I wanted to marry her, but don't get me wrong. But she thought I had asked, I thought I hadn't. And then when I actually asked for realsies, she was hesitant. I don't know why. We're at the restaurant and I give this long speech about why she should marry me without ever asking yet. She goes, well, well. so finally I said, so will you marry me? And I took out a ring and she leaned across the table and said something like, for real this time? Are you sure you don't want to rethink that? And so she made me wait for a bit that evening before she gave me, uh, gave me her answer. So no gazebo, but I'll trade you the gazebo for that mess, I'll tell you right now. And then she had another hesitation later on, about a week later, as I recall it, we were at a youth group function, I was a youth pastor, and she comes out, she goes, I'm having second thoughts, I'm really struggling. I said, about what? And she said, she's only been a Christian a few months, right? And she says, I don't, I don't know if I can be a pastor's wife, it just dawns on me, you're, you're going to be a pastor. And I gave her the ultimate logical answer. I said, there's nothing to it, Brenda. I'm going to be a pastor. 
you're going to be my wife, therefore you will be a pastor's wife, and it's that simple. It's been not at all that simple, not at all, not for these <laughs> engagement stories. But here's what strikes me in this message from Hebrews 11 and the connection between faith and yes, because she said yes, but all of our spouses said yes with some faith, didn't they? Because Brenda said yes with no real assurances. Her yes was based on what she knew of my character um, and her willingness to step into a future that wasn't certain. It was promised, but it wasn't real certain. It takes faith to say yes to something like that. And it takes faith to say yes when God asks things of us too. I've entitled this message, I Just Can't See It. Saying yes when you just can't see it. Man, I just can't see that happening. I can't see how that comes together. I can't see that. Word. I just can't see it, man. You can see it. I can't see it. It takes faith to say yes to God when you just can't see it. A couple of specifics that we learned from this story in Abraham's life. Hebrews 11 is the story of the hall of fame of faith. And Abraham's one of the key players there. And the first observation I'd like to offer is this, that it takes faith to say yes when you can't see the whole plan, when you can only see the next step. It takes faith. This is, picture dark nights when you really need to have your brights on, but you are only allowed to drive with your low beams on because there are so many cars coming. And there's always this sense of, man, I need to see just a little bit more than I see. Yet we still keep driving. It faith, takes faith to say yes when life is like that. Faith says yes, even in the dark. Faith says yes before it knows the whole story. And following or considering the possibility of following Jesus, it's one of those stories where your low beams are on. You only see enough up the road to be able to keep going safely, but not too safely, quickly, but not too quickly. It's a true adventure. What makes an adventure an adventure? You don't quite know about everything that's coming your way. You just know there's the trail, keep walking. It takes faith. You know what a car rally is? Anybody in an old car rally? You used to have these car rallies where you take your car, you show up at a starting place, you get a clue. Everybody gets the same clue. You read the clue, and from that clue, you have to figure out where you're supposed to go next, like a progressive dinner in a car. But you don't know where you're going to end up. You just know where that clue takes you, and it takes you to the next place with a clue. And you grab that clue, and you read it, and you figure out where that is, and you go to the next place. That's a clue. But you're still moving forward, but you don't know the whole plan. It takes faith to say yes when you don't know the whole plan. By faith, Abraham, Hebrews 11 says, when he was called, uh, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obey and went, and then listen to this, even though he did not know where he was going. Who does that? Art, Brenda, I want you to pack your bags, pack the house in boxes, and go ahead and go now. Okay, where? North. How far north? North. Who does that? By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to something, but he had no idea what the plan 
was to get there, and he still went. It takes faith to say yes when you can't see the whole plan. It takes trusting in God's character and stepping out into his promises with no guarantee that there's a landing except for the next step. Faith. The story goes on. Not only does it take faith to say yes when you can't see the whole plan, sometimes it takes faith to say yes when you can see the whole plan. In fact, sometimes seeing the whole plan is the problem. When you can't see the logic in the plan. I see your plan, God, but how in the world can that action make any sense at all? Can you not see? Are we not looking at the same life here? The same deficits, the same circumstances? You're asking me to do this, and here's my reality. How can that make any sense at all? By faith, and God asked Abraham to do something appalling. Made no sense at all. He could not see the logic. By faith, jump down to verse 17. Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. His son. The son of promise. The son he had late in his life after he had given up on the possibility of having a son. God says, see that, that son there? Yeah, that's our plan. It's your plan for the future. You're going to bless the whole world through me because of that son. Now, you're so good. Remember, I danced, I laughed when he was born. Okay, here's the plan, Abraham. Walk three days, hike up a hill, and sacrifice him. And if I were Abraham in that situation, my response would have been, have you lost your beautiful, stinking, holy mind? How does that plan make any sense? I cannot see the logic, and I'm sure it's you speaking to me. But Abraham had faith. I want you to sacrifice your son, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through this son that your offspring will be reckoned to you. Abraham reasoned, here's how much faith he had. He reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did it. He gave Isaac back to him from the dead virtually. That's the level of faith Abraham had. I don't see the logic. I don't get it. He tries to apply a different logic to it. He must be going to raise him from the dead because he certainly, it can't make any sense that he, what is he up to? It takes faith to say yes when you see the whole plan. And the whole plan makes absolutely no sense. When I was five, I wanted to help my dad sand his boat. He was painting the boat. I said, I want to help you sand. I remember this vividly. I was about five. And so my dad picked me up and placed me on the bow. The bow was covered, and there was a windshield here. And he and some friends were sanding the boat, all sanding it by hand, we're going to paint it. I took some sandpaper, and I began to sand the windshield. My dad said, hey, 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 we don't sand that part. No, I'm helping. No, we don't sand that part. Do you think for a minute I understood why we didn't sand the windshield? I did not. I'm not sure I do now. <laughs> but I remember this. 
I trusted that my dad knew what was going on. And even though it made no sense to me that you would have this whole big area that we don't sand when everything else is being sanded, he redirected me, put me astern where there's nothing to ruin back there. It takes faith to say yes when you don't understand the logic of it. Listen to more of the story from Genesis 22. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. So now we're looking inside the story, the rest of the story, a more precise and detailed version of the story. Took him with two of his servants and his son Isaac, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, what's going through his mind every time he's swinging that ax? He set out for the place God had told him about, and on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, you stay here with the donkey, Well, I and the boy go over there. And then listen to this very important sentence that comes next. We, the boy and I, will worship. Then we, the boy and I, after I kill him, will return. Even there, he's clinging to faith. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So Isaac is old enough to carry a enough wood for a good-sized fire up a pretty steep hill. He's at least, at youngest, he's, a, he's an old adolescent. Some argue that he's as old as 30 or 35 years old when this happens. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. It takes faith to say yes when yes makes no sense at all. When they, were, when they arrived at the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Probably was really slow building that altar. He bound his son Isaac probably very slowly. And then laid him on the altar. Isaac had to cooperate, by the way, on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, not only is Abraham showing faith when the yes makes no sense, so is Isaac. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And man, was Abraham glad to hear that call. Never was he more happy to have his hand stayed than in that moment. Here I am, and implied in all that, tell me, what, tell me what I hope you're going to tell me. Say what I hope you're going to say. There's another way. I mean, I'm about ready to let it drop. Here I am. You found me. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Now there's a command he was happy to keep. There's a command that made sense. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now let's not pretend that even with this resolution, this isn't a difficult story. This is still a head scratcher. God, man, what are you love toying with us? What, are you bored today so you had to go test me to see if I would kill my son to know I had faith? Couldn't you just read my heart and know? Those questions aren't all answered here. We still are left with those. But this point is nonetheless made. When you do see the plan, 
and you don't see the logic in it, it takes faith, a trust in the character of God and a stepping forth into his promises. It takes faith to say yes then. Faith. It takes what Paul had when he wrote to young Timothy while he was in prison. First Timothy, or Second Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, That is why I am suffering as I am, in other words, with such dignity and without complaining and whining. Yet this is no cause for shame, because, and then here's the point, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced, I am persuaded that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. This is not some derelict God. I know whom I have believed. I know his character. I trust him with my future, with my dreams. I have faith in him. A profound trust in the character of God and a bold step into his promises. It takes faith to say yes When you can't see the whole plan, it takes faith to say yes. When the problem is that you can see it, but you can't see the logic in it. Let me finish by reading you the part of Hebrews 11 that I left out. There was a chunk in the middle there, four or five verses, that I didn't read. Where it says this, it has this whole list of Hebrews 11, remember, of people that were great saints and that just courageous stallions. But it says this, 11, 13 through 16, all these people, including Abraham, including Isaac, including Rebecca, uh, Sarah, all these people were still living by faith when they died. In other words, their low beams were still on. They had faith, they stepped out, and they died without seeing everything come to fruition. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They not only saw them from a distance, but they were cool with that. They welcomed them from a distance. This is a a generation of people for whom a promise by God kept to their children or their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren was considered a promise kept to them. You understand that? Let me remind you of that. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, and here's the challenge for us today, Christians, they were longing for a better country, a better world, a better reality, a more Christian presence in the world. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, forgiveness, goodness, purity, A heavenly country. And I love this. You've heard me say it before if you've been around here. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And he's prepared a city for them. That's pretty stinking good stuff. All the heroes of this chapter, including Abraham, moved forward in the thickest of fogs, they still moved forward, said yes to what they couldn't quite 
see, trusted in the character of God and stepped into his presence. They all discovered a truth that needs to be rediscovered by us today, desperately rediscovered by us. It's a truth that has already been discovered and written down very well by the writer of Proverbs in chapter 3, where the writer says, I'm not asking you to throw away your brains. I'm not asking you to quit thinking logically. I'm not asking you to quit planning. But I am asking you to do this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Submit your best thoughts. Submit your best logic. Submit your best plans. Submit your biggest dreams to the God who is all wise. Submit and trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. It takes faith to say yes. But we find it because we know that even when we can't see it, he can. Should we pray? We're praying to this great ophthalmologist, this one who allows us to see. And the giver of faith who leads us even when we can't fully see. And the one who has our lives in this world, all of history and the future in his hands. Reminding us that even though what we see now is not what he wants, not fully, there are whispers of another world. There's a taste of something better. And you have built for all you created a new city so that things will one day be as they always should have been. We trust you for that, God. With low beams on, we keep driving. With doubts, we keep serving. Keep empowering us for that kind of faith. In the name of Christ.